I take this oath by my own free will, knowing that I am bound to it by my word and my reputation. I will take full responsibility for my actions and my inactions. I know that ultimately my success relies on my shoulders alone and I will refuse average and always strive for excellence. I will prepare myself physically, spiritually, and mentally so that I can be a provider to those who cannot provide for themselves when necessary. I will always be willing to stand in the gap and protect those who cannot protect themselves. I will be vigilant, proactive, and intentional while working on becoming the very best version of myself. I will be an upstanding citizen of my community and bring value to those around me to the best of my ability. I will always do and say what is right regardless of the consequences and or opinions of others. I will instill all of this in my kids and other young men and women around me so that there will always be a generation of peaceful savages willing and able to do what is right. The Tom Screen podcast is owned and made possible by Ethical Marketing Service. If your business is struggling with Google or Facebook ads, maybe you're frustrated figuring it out or there's a performance issue, Ethical Marketing Service has worked on hundreds of accounts and we can help in this area. We offer a 30-day money-back guarantee and for every direct account we look after, we sponsor a child in a developing nation with food, water and education. If you would like to find out if we can help, it's a free, no salesy consultation call and the link is in the description. Enjoy the episode. Thomas Green here with Ethical Marketing Service. On the episode today, we have Mitchell Tucker. Mitchell, welcome. Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It is my pleasure. Would you like to take a moment and tell the audience a bit about yourself and what you do? Absolutely. So like I said, my name is Mitchell Tucker. I have about 13 years prior law enforcement experience. You know, I was uh, raised in an entrepreneurial-based family. Uh, my dad was an entrepreneur. My mom was an entrepreneur. They own their own businesses. But I was, I was attracted to law enforcement at a young age. And at 18, I joined the police academy, became a cop at 19 years old. Couldn't even buy my own bullets, but I was carrying a gun around. And uh, I loved law enforcement. My last couple of years, I worked as a robbery detective and narcotics detective. Um, I just felt called to that. But, you know, I had something very interesting happen to me. I went to a call. This is after I came out of narcotics. I was working. I was back in uniform working patrol. And I got a call, a call that no, no law enforcement officer liked getting probably. And it was an elderly lady. And she said, my husband's going out of town. And I would like an officer, a deputy to come to my house, show me how I can make it more secure so I can feel safe while he's out of town. Now, I just worked several years undercover and uh, doing all kinds of really cool stuff. So um, now I'm in uniform, sweating my butt off. It's hot. I live in Florida. I got a vest on, you know, and I'm heading to this lady's house to teach her how to make her house more secure. So wasn't the most exciting thing. So I get there, but, you know, even though I don't enjoy the call and I show up with a smile and yes, ma'am, I would do this and I would do that. And this is how you make your house more secure. And I owe that lady a lot now because she said something that changed my life. One sentence. She said, wow, the peace of mind you gave me is worth every bit of 500 bucks. And to think the sheriff's office does this for free. Now, mind you, I was there 10, 15 minutes and I thought to myself, she would have paid me 500 bucks for this. I was here 15 minutes and that entrepreneurial light bulb kicked on and it changed my life. And that's, that's really how I, I started to have that shift in mentality and started looking for opportunities. And this is what I like to tell people. The opportunities were always there. 
I just wasn't looking for them because I didn't have that shift in mentality. She said that I shifted my mentality and opportunities arise. And it's not because they weren't there previously. I just wasn't looking for them. So would you say that was another thing that called you to change from being a cop to a business owner? Yeah, absolutely. That was that was the uh, the number one thing that that turned on that entrepreneurial light bulb. And, you know, then I long story short, because we'd be on the podcast all day, but I had a um, I started looking for opportunities and I found this uh, product. I developed this product that was an alarm system and uh, it's pretty unique. You don't need any wires or sensors. It's a box this big. You plug it in and protect your entire house. And um, but I needed a couple hundred thousand dollars to make it happen. So I found an investor I wanted to work with and I pitched it. He told me no. And then he told me no. And then he told me no. And and I, I didn't let up on him. You know, I was probably eight or 10 no's in a row. And finally, he said, Mitchell, if you send your device, because I had a um, it wasn't finished, but I prototype. He said, if you send your prototype to all my product testers and they give the thumbs up, then I'll invest in you. I said, fair enough. Now, I didn't have a patent. So I super glued all the screws in because I didn't want them to take apart my device right and and learn what was in the inside and i sent it off to all these product testers they all came back and gave me a thumbs up and i was like yes i'm in and uh he comes back and tells me no i'm like are you kidding me like what is going on so i call him up and uh he's like i'm gonna never forget it he answered the phone he's like yes mitchell how can i help you (laughs) right because at this point i'm getting annoying right and he goes, look, Mitchell, you almost made me break my number one rule. I like you and I like your product. And because of that, I almost broke my rule, but I refused to break my rule. And I said, well, what's your rule? Like, tell me so that I can fix it for the next investor. And he said, I never invest in someone who doesn't have any skin in the game. He said, you've been a cop all these years. You've got a successful career. You've got a bright future in law enforcement. I can give you hundreds of thousands of dollars. You could blow it all. I lost my money. You lost nothing. You're still a cop. So I thought to myself, man, he's right. I don't have any way to put skin in the game. I don't, what am I going to do? Like, how can I, you know, there's no way to prove to him. I didn't have any money. I was a cop and cops don't make a lot of money. And so I get home that night, laying in bed up all night and thinking and praying and trying to figure out what can I do? And the next day I wake up and I have the answer. I'm going to quit my career. So my wife is laying right next to me. She wakes up and I say, hey, babe, I'm going to quit my job. <laughs> and, and, and I was blessed to have a supportive wife, you know, that her face was initially like, what? You know, are you, are you sure? But then she said, you know, I trust you if that's what you want to do. You know, I think any real man will, will find a way to provide for his family regardless. Unless you are sick mentally or physically, if you're a well-bodied man, there is no excuse for not providing for your family. That might hurt for people, but that that's my personal belief and opinion. And I think that I've instilled that in my wife that she knows my kids will never go hungry. My mortgage will never go unpaid because I'll do whatever it takes. I'll dig trenches 24 hours if I have to. And because I've instilled that in her and gave her that confidence in me, she said, go for it. So the next day I go in and that day I go in with my, my letter in hand. I typed it up, printed it and my two week notice. I didn't know it's the sheriff's office policy that they let you go same day. You know, they don't want someone who doesn't want to be there carrying a gun around. Right. So they let me go the same day. 
And I remember thinking, oh man, I thought I was going to be working for two more weeks. I got to figure this out quick. So I called the investor, the potential investor, mind you, he wasn't even investing at this point on my way home. And I say, his name was Ben. I say, hey, Ben. And he answered, I'm surprised he even answered because he's like, hey, Mitch. And uh, I said, hey, I quit my job. And he said, you what? I said, I quit my job. And I said, you said I didn't have skin in the game. I wanted to show you I got skin in the game. So I quit my job. And he's like, you're freaking crazy. He said, if you can sell me, you can sell an alarm. So then he ended up investing in me. And uh, that started my entrepreneurial journey. And then I started my, my business, Intact Security, which is a security guard company. And uh, it's just, it's flowed from there. But it was those um, different times throughout my life and different events that uh, were basically signs on the wall for me, is at least, at least how I took them and uh, really propelled my entrepreneur journey. Amazing story. Thank you for, for sharing it. I was half expecting you to say that the investor wasn't in, but you quit your job anyway. Uh, looking back on it, would you have done it exactly the same or would you have secured the investor before you quit your job? I would have done it exactly the same. I tell you, it wasn't easy. And, you know, I wrote a book, Mentally Tough in a Weak Society. It, it was the number one seller on Amazon for a while. And my, my passion is teaching people mental resilience because the story is awesome, but the story doesn't end there. The alarm, the thing, the, the thing that, um, that I initially was, was going after initially failed, plummeted. And, um, you know, you hear all these stories and you're like, yeah, and then you're, you're waiting for me to tell you, oh, he invested in and now I'm a millionaire and everything was happy go lucky. That's not how it worked. And that's 99% of the time. That's not how it ever works. Um, and I think so many people, they hear those stories so that when they go on their entrepreneur journey and they make it to that point and then it fails, oh, I'm a failure. It didn't work. And then they go back to the nine to five or whatever it is. You have to practice mental resilience because the truth of the matter is my first entrepreneur journey, your first entrepreneur journey, the first 10, 20 probably won't work, but that's okay because as long as you love the journey and you're not just going after the destination, entrepreneurship is an incredible thing and I recommend it for everybody. I started a company called Intact Security, which is a security guard company, me and my family. And honestly, in my mind, maybe not in everyone's mind, but in my mind, it was to provide income until the product I created made me a multimillionaire, right? It was supposed to sustain me until this thing became, me a, became something incredible. And it ended up becoming my primary income. And it grew to be, you know, we do millions of dollars in revenue. We've got uh, 40 or 50 incredible employees, 45 incredible employees. And um, it wasn't supposed to be my primary income. But being able to shift and be fluid, and that's what entrepreneurship is about, being able to take the blows and, and keep on pushing through and then make something out of it. Well, it's interesting that, um, you know, the thing you mentioned, the thing that you it wasn't supposed to be your primary income, but kind of people vote with their wallet, right? So uh, if you're providing something that people want, you're going to be rewarded for that. Uh, and so it makes sense to me. Uh, I've heard it. I've heard it a few times in terms of, um, you know, you have to be you have to respond to what people want, not necessarily what you think. So 100% on board. I, I did, before we go away from your time as a police officer, I did want to ask you what you learned from that period of your life because it sounds like there's going to be tons of learning 
lessons from from that from your career uh do any spring to mind oh man it could be a whole nother podcast yeah you what's what's incredible i just did a video on this if you look at the most successful people they in general not everyone especially not in sports but in general the thing that they became the most successful in wasn't their very first venture in my in my opinion the reason is is because everything that they've done in their life has taught them life lessons and has educated them and let them look at life through a different lens through a different perspective so if you have someone who who goes into a product and hits it big he's only looking at life through that one lens he only has that one experience so when he gets hit with something that's completely off wall it, it's going to wreck his world right you have the person who who ch- attempted and failed attempted and failed attempted and failed attempted and then crushes it that person is more resilient. That person is more, he's got more mental fortitude and he can look at life through different perspective and different lenses because he's had more experience. I believe that if I wasn't a cop at the, the first part of my life, I don't know that I'd have been so successful in intact. Being a cop allowed me to sell intact uh, my security company at a whole nother level. Who understands security better than a law enforcement officer? I mean, I had a lot of experience there when you think of the practical experience as to running the security company from being a cop. So there's that aspect of it. But then there's a whole nother mental aspect of law enforcement, the aspect of, you know, never giving up. And um, I've been I've seen the worst in people and I've seen the absolute best in people. And um, so I've learned a lot of life lessons in law enforcement, being able to see both sides, both spectrums of our of our society. And who is your typical inquiry in terms of people that um, ask you to help them? Yeah, so we're kind of all over the map as far as far as the security company goes. You know, I, I own and operate a couple of different companies, but as far as intact security goes, um, we provide security for apartment complexes, hotels, um, golf and country clubs, assistant living facilities. We're all over the place. Anywhere you see an officer in uniform. Um, you see, you can see one of an in, intact in security officer. Okay, and um, you meant to, mentioned mental resiliency in one of your answers. Um, what does that mean to you, and what would you share with others on the topic? Yeah, whenever I think about mental resilience, I think about my dad. He was diagnosed with a disease when my mom was pregnant with me, and they gave him seven years to live. My dad just passed away a few years ago, so he constantly went against all odds, and he was constantly overcoming and the guy was in so much pain all the time and he always had a smile on his face he always pushed through he was always at every basketball game at every event he showed up he made money he he made it happen and um i believe my dad was one of the strongest men that's ever walked this planet and at least mentally and i learned so much from that being mentally resilient being able to take the blows and keep on going because if you can't, you're not going to succeed. Right? Failure only kicks in when you quit. A failure is not a thing to me. I've never failed in my life because if you don't quit, you can't fail. Right now, in in a different definition of failure, yeah, I've taken a lot of failures. Right, but in my definition of failure, I, I only fail when I quit. Well, you mentioned that story about your persistence with uh, with the investor. So the reason I laughed is because you already kind of alluded to the fact that. Failure is not an option in that scenario. Yeah, and like that that product, that product um, that I initially created, it's uh, 
it's we're still working on it and it's taken it, it, life works so it's incredible how things work the initial product failed um and there's a bunch of aspects to that the investor wasn't so interested anymore there's a long story into that but because of that the product evolved into something that i didn't even envision so much better so much better i haven't even released it yet so i can't really i don't want to talk about it on the podcast yet but it's coming out soon and um it's like apples and oranges it's so much better than what it was and uh so i'm really excited about it if it would have worked out the first time we wouldn't have been it wouldn't have made it to where it is now and i know it's kind of hard to explain without seeing it and understanding what it is but um you just be able to take the blows and realize that things happen for a reason it's not always negative even though it feels negative and that if you don't quit you don't fail i respect the spoilers you can't reveal too much that's fine with me but um, one of the things which I was really interested to uh, to talk to you about is the Peaceful Savage, because it just sounds like something really cool. Can you share what that principle is? Yeah, now we're getting into my passion. So the Peaceful Savage, I'm going to share briefly where I came up with the name and I'll share the concept behind it. I, it was about three o'clock in the morning. I woke up out of dead sleep with the words Peaceful Savage on my brain. So weird, right? Because the two don't even go together. So I grabbed my phone. Three o'clock in the morning, I put in my notes, peaceful savage, and I went back to sleep because I didn't want to forget it because I thought it was a really cool phrase, right? I wake up the next day, didn't need it in my notes because it was the first thing I thought about. And uh, I kind of brushed it off. I get the kids ready, get them to school, you know, life. I get to the office, peaceful savage. It's still in my head. It's constant. And um, so I jumped after about like three or four days of it popping up in my head, quite some time, I don't remember the exact time frame, but it's constantly in my head. I finally had some time. I said, I'm going to dive into these, dive into this a little bit more. So I look up the definition of peaceful. I look up the definition of savage. I'm not connecting them at all. I mean, they're completely. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if you're a spiritual, religious person, whatever. I'm a Christian and I, uh, I won't go through the whole process, how I got to the Bible verse, the meek shall inherit the earth. I don't know if you've ever heard of that verse, but there's a verse in the Bible that says the meek shall inherit the earth. In my Neanderthal thinking mind, I thought to myself, like, that doesn't make any sense. Like a meek person, come try and take my wallet and see what happens, right? It's not going to happen. That, that's what I initially thought. But what the Bible is referring to is not this meek, timid little guy. He's referring to this epic warrior. I mean, this guy is skilled with the sword. He could cut down anything in his past, in his path. This guy is a beast, but due to his meekness, he leaves his sword sheathed, right? He shows mercy and meekness. And because of that, he keeps it sheathed. And that's the person shall inherit the earth. And I thought, wow, that's a very similar to peaceful savage, right? peaceful but when he has the ability when he needs to he has the ability to be a complete savage you look at law enforcement they walk around with the batman belt right when i was a cop i had a gun on my hip i had tons of ammo on my belt i had an ar-15 in the trunk i had a vest on i had the ability to be a savage right i would never do that i had the ability to cut down anything in my path with my rifle but due to my peacefulness due to who i am I kept my firearm sheath. I kept it in his holster. But when I, if I was ever presented with and put in the position where I needed to, I had the ability to become a savage. I had the ability to protect when I needed to protect, to keep those safe who I swore an oath to keep safe, right? Because I was equipped and I was prepared. 
So it's kind of the idea of the peaceful savage. I don't know what category you fall into. And a lot of people don't like talking about politics. We've been trained, right, not to talk about religion or politics. I talk about both all the time. So I fall into a category, and a lot of other people do, the silent majority. I believe that what's wrong with our society is that we are too silent, right? The people with the um, outrageous beliefs and in, in, um, in different ideologies, they're very, very loud. The, um, the conservatives, and like I said, we can, dis- I don't know anything about the way you believe, Thomas. We can disagree and we can be complete friends. And that's what America is about, freedom of speech and, and being able to communicate like this. I believe, though, in my personal opinion, you know, the silent majority stays silent too often. I uh, this is why the peaceful savage. This is one of our staple shirts. I don't know if we're going to have video, but it says pro God, pro family, pro life, pro America, pro gun, offended, peaceful savage. A lot of people hate it. A lot of people love it. That's okay. I, I, I love everybody. But the fact of the matter is, this is the way I believe. And I'm not scared to share it. Right. And neither should you. And I also believe on a personal development side of things, I believe everything should be uh, attacked as a peaceful savage. I believe if you want the very best marriage you could possibly have, you need to approach it as a peaceful savage. If you want the best job, the best career, you want to become the best entrepreneur you can, you need to approach it as the peaceful savage. And um, you need to, which, which means you need to approach it more or less as the savage side of things, just all in, never give up full force, hundred percent. And, um, that's where the term peaceful savage comes into. And that's a really brief, fast description of the peaceful savage. We got a book coming out called The Peaceful Savage. It's in the personal development niche. It, um, it kind of follows the uh, the first book I wrote, Mentally Tough and Weak Society. It's a little bit more hard hitting than Mentally Tough and Weak Society. So if everything I said, if anything I said offends anybody, you'll probably like this one a little bit more because it's not as hard hitting. But The Peaceful Savage should be out in December. and. Um, so I encourage anyone, if that's interest you, if anything I said interest them, to go check that out. Uh, there's a lot there to respond to. So uh, great answer. Thank you for the answer. Um, I, I would like to know how you apply it to, let's say, your, your business, for example. How would you go about applying the peaceful savage to your business? Well, being able to, you know, there's so many people that are timid and scared to share what they believe and feel. I'll never be that. You know, when I first started speaking out and saying, like, this is how I believe, I'm not a very controversial person, not by nature, right? I'm actually very, um, very reserved. You know, I've been on camera quite a bit now, but if you would have asked me a year ago to jump on this, I'd have been stressing out to get on and get in front of this camera, right? Um, It just wasn't in me. So I'm a very, I'm non controversial, I'm a very reserved person. But I got to a point to where I was sick and tired of seeing our society and our country go in the direction it was. Not only, not only morally, but people are, people are bots. They're not living life with intentionality. They go, they wake up, and this is everyone's life. I mean, this is, this is literally what people do every day. They wake up, they go through Dunkin' or Starbucks, they get their coffee, they go sit in a cubicle or go do a job that they don't like for eight, 10, 12 hours a day. Then they go home, they pick up the kids or whatever, they eat, they say goodnight, they go to sleep, they wake up, they do it again the next day. I mean, literally robots. What about that is enjoyable? 
right? There's so many people who are living their life like that. And they do that year in, year out, year in, year out for, and they look forward to a one week vacation once a year. Man, that sounds like a garbage life. <laughs> I mean, and everyone under the sound of my voice has the, if you're living that life, you have the potential to change. You have the ability to change. You have to, you have to be willing. You have to have the mental resilience. And that's where the idea of the peaceful savage, I mean, peaceful savage and mental resilience are, are like this. That's the aspect of becoming a savage, right? Is being resilient, never giving up, never quitting and pushing through. If people don't like what I have to say, then there's a ton of other content creators out there. You just click a button and I could disappear and you can find someone else. But, you know, if, if you're living that life right now and you can turn on the savage inside of you and realize when you turn the savage on, you turn, you turn the fear off, right? When I'm, when, I'm, when I'm approaching business as a peaceful savage, the first thing that goes is fear. It's always going to be in the back of your head. I just don't let it control me. And it shouldn't control you because if you let fear control, you'll never do anything great. Martin Luther King, I'm sure he was scared when he got on stage and said what he said. You know what I mean? Everyone that's great that stood up and went against, went against you know, and had some form of opposition, they were scared. But they didn't let it control them. And that's why they're great. It's a great answer. Um, in response to the the politics side of things, my uh, I've I've stayed away from it, not necessarily um, from a silence perspective, but the whole show is like about how to how to do better in life. You know, uh, what are the things that can make us uh, have a better life, or do better in business, or do better in general? And what my personal experience has been as to the more you kind of enter the field of politics and talk about politics, it does not help. Uh, you do better. Uh, if, if anything, from, from my experience, the more you kind of engage in that conversation, the worse it gets for you. But I'm interested to know what your thoughts are around that um, response because you know, maybe I'm wrong about it. No, and I agree with you to an extent. I don't, because if you speak strong on politics, you're going to alienate a percentage of the country, right? And then they're not going to want to become your customer, right? So as far as business goes, I get it. I don't, I own a, I own intact security. I don't post on the website, any politics on my intact security, social media sites. I don't, uh, I don't post any politics. It's strictly intact security. We talk about security and that's it. We leave politics out of it, but I own intact security. So when I speak, a lot of people would consider me speaking for intact. I'm not necessarily speaking for intact. Intact is intact. We provide a security service and we do a great job and our reviews speak for themselves. And, you know, but if you ask my personal opinion or, or me, Mitchell Tucker, or the peaceful savage, I'm, I'm not setting out to talk about politics. But if people, someone asks me my position or my opinion, I'm going to share it. But in a general rule of thumb, you are correct. You, you don't necessarily want to mix politics directly with your business. Now, I, I will say that depending on what side of the fence you go on, and we won't go into detail, I believe that in a way it could benefit you. In some aspect, depending on what kind of business you do, depending on geographically where you're located, I think there is a benefit there to some extent. But I think in a general rule of thumb, leaving politics out of your business directly is probably a wise decision. <laughs> well, I've made, a, I've made the wise decision so far then. Uh, so I appreciate that. Um, you, you talk a little bit on, um, on success. I, I mentioned the fact that I ask the same same question at the end of every episode. I say, uh, what does success mean to you, Mitchell? Yeah, success is it's a good question to ask because everyone should have a different well, everyone probably has a 
a different definition of it. We think about success, we think about money, cars, big house. And, you know, they say money can't buy happiness. That is true. Success to me would be, I think there's staples of success that will always remain true. Being able to provide for yourself and those that you love and care about, you know, general life necessities. Those are all always going to be a staple of success. Anything outside of that would be someone's personal opinion. I just want to, I want me and my family to be happy. I want my kids to grow up in a free and happy country. And um, I want to have enough money to help myself and help others. You know, my biggest thing is I want to make a lot of money. And it's not necessarily for myself, but I want to make an impact. If you make $50,000 a year, your impact will be here. If you make 150, it'll be here. If you make a million, it's here. And it's only going to grow. My, my, my goal in life is to make the biggest impact possible. Most people are loved for one generation, remembered for two, and then they're done, right? No one will ever speak your name again after three generations. And uh, I don't want that to be the case, not only for myself, but I, I want to make the world a better place. When you're dead and gone, if people can't say that, yeah, he, he made an impact, he made the world a better place while he was here, what was the point of your life? So my version of success would be able to, when I take my dying breath, is to know while I lay on my deathbed that I made an impact and I made a difference. It's a great answer. Um, and uh, I heard um, you said about uh, money and happiness. I heard that money can buy happiness if you're willing to give it away. So oh, I, like, um, I like that. That's, that's so kind of what kind of what you said, right? Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, I mean, I, if uh, I'm sure you've been in the position to where you've helped someone out who generally needed it, uh, you've been at the gas pumps and saw an elderly lady pumping gas and or getting ready to pump gas, and just go over and swipe your own card. And that, that feeling you'll get and the reaction you're going to get from her, I mean, you can't buy that anywhere else in any materialistic thing, in materialistic stuff. That feeling you get from that, you're not going to get it from your Lambo. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> well, um, I really appreciate you sharing the, uh, the, the Peaceful Savage. I think the concept is cool. And um, all of your, your experience from being a police officer, I think, great podcast guest have you got any closing thoughts for us today yeah i appreciate it um i've enjoyed it i liked it i liked it a lot um if you're interested if you like the idea of the peaceful savage i suggest everyone go check out psoath.com peacefulsavageoath.com there's an oath that we live by as peaceful savages and um, if you check out the website psoath.com there'll be like a one minute video which plays the oath if you agree to the oath you can sign and it will actually add your name to the list of people who signed the oath. There's almost 300 people or so, a little over 300 people who've signed the oath. Your name will get added to that list. And then you'll be emailed when the book is released. So do you, um, do you happen to know what, that, what the details of the oath are? Be willing yes, to share them? I do. Um, I don't have it with me right here. I can pull it up. You <laughs> want me to read it for you? That'd be great. Yeah, let me pull it up real quick. Here it is. So the Peaceful Savage Oath. I take this oath by my own free will, knowing that I am bound to it by my word and my reputation. I will take full responsibility for my actions and my inactions. I know that ultimately my success relies on my shoulders alone, and I will refuse average and always strive for excellence. I will prepare myself physically, spiritually, and mentally so that I can be a provider to those who cannot provide for themselves when necessary. I will always be willing to stand in the gap and protect those who cannot protect themselves. 
I will be vigilant, proactive, and intentional while working on becoming the very best version of myself. I will be an upstanding citizen of my community and bring value to those around me to the best of my ability. I will always do and say what is right, regardless of the consequences and or opinions of others. I will instill all of this in my kids and other young men and women around me so that there will always be a generation of peaceful savages willing and able to do what is right. How good is that to end the episode? Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, Mitchell. I appreciate you.